you for listening to this podcasted message from the Garden Fellowship. The Garden Fellowship is a new and exciting church located in Burlington, North Carolina. And we invite you to learn more about our church by visiting our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Garden Fellowship or by visiting our website at gardenfellowship.org. Now, we invite you to worship God through the teaching of His Word. Siempre damos gracias a Dios por todos ustedes, mencionándolos en, un, en nuestras oraciones, teniendo presente sin cesar delante de nuestro Dios y Padre su obra de fe, su trabajo de amor, y la firmeza de su esperanza en nuestro Señor Jesucristo. Sabemos, hermanos amados de Dios, de la elección de ustedes, porque nuestro evangelio no vino a ustedes solamente en palabras, sino también en poder y en el Espíritu Santo, y con plena convicción, como saben qué clase de personas demostramos ser entre ustedes por el amor que les tenemos. Y ustedes llegaron a ser imitadores de nosotros y del Señor, habiendo recibido la palabra en medio de mucha tribulación con el gozo del Espíritu Santo. La palabra de Dios. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask for your grace and your mercy and the presence and the power of your Spirit to open the eyes of our heart to the truth found in your word this evening. We pray, Lord, that you would enlighten us to the way of Christ and enlighten us, Lord, once again to the profound truth that you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. La semana pasada, miramos al versículos 1, 2, 3 y 4 de, del primero capítulo, del primero uh, epístolo de la, uh, a la Tesalonicenses. Last week we looked at verse 1, 2, 3, and 4. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. And one thing that we saw here is that this is truly a letter of love. Es una carta de amor. Una carta de mucho amor. La iglesia en Tesalonicenses es el más favorito de, de Pablo. Y la iglesia en Filipenses, dos iglesias que son el más favorito de Pablo. The, the church in uh, Thessalonica and the church in Philippi are two churches that are precious to Paul's heart. They are both churches that he, of course, planted there in Macedonia, and they are both very, very close to Paul in his heart, and he loves them very much. And this is a letter of love that he writes to them. Es una carta muy cerca del principio de la iglesia. It's a, church, it's a letter that was written very, very early in the life of the church, uh, más o menos 20 años después de, de, de la muerte, y de la resurrección de Jesucristo, only about 20 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus, this letter was written to the Thessalonian Christians. And we remember how Paul travels through Thessalonica here, and he only stays there just a very short time. Pablo está en, en la ciudad por un tiempo muy corto, porque la persecución de los judeos en, en Thessalonicenses a causa de esto, Pablo necesita se va. Paul has to leave very early. He's only there a few weeks in the city of Thessalonica because of the persecution that breaks out from the Jews there. But in the time that he's there, he preaches the gospel and the gospel takes root. El Evangelio, Pablo predicó el Evangelio en la ciudad y una iglesia, acá, una iglesia muy joven, muy joven, más o menos tres o cuatro meses ahora. 
Paul has to leave. The persecution forces him to leave, and he goes down to Corinth. And the church is only about three or four months old with no leadership there. But the church is one that is a true, real, genuine church. La iglesia es muy joven, pero la iglesia es una iglesia pura, una iglesia uh, real, una iglesia que ama a Jesús mucho. Pablo ha estado predicado el evangelio allá y cristianos real está allá en, en la ciudad. So Paul is now, has now fled to, to Corinth, and he's now working on planting a church there in Corinth, but he's so worried about the church that he started there in Thessalonica that he sends Timothy to, in order to get news about how the church is going. Pablo está en, en Corintio, pero Pablo se preocupa acerca de la iglesia, y entonces Pablo mandó Timoteo a la ciudad para recibir noticias de la iglesia allá, y Timoteo volvió a Pablo en Corintio con las noticias buenas. And then Timothy returns to Paul in Corinth with great news, the news that the church there is a real, genuine church, that the, the yes, they're young in their faith, and they have much to learn and much growing to do, but they are true, real, genuine Christians. And Paul is so excited about this news that he sits down right then and there to write them a letter. Pablo está tan emocionado acerca de estas noticias que Pablo necesita escribir a ellos una, una carta ánimo, una carta de mucho amor, una, una, una carta por animar los cristianos allá. So Paul writes this letter of encouragement. It's a letter, again, that's filled with much love for them. Um, and he begins the letter. We looked last time. Uh, he begins the letter from, from verse 2. Siempre damos gracias a Dios para todos ustedes mencionándolos en nuestras oraciones. Uh, siempre siempre uh, está dando gracias a Dios por la iglesia de Paul. Paul is always giving thanks to God for the church there. Verse 3 Teniendo presente sin cesar delante de nuestro Dios y Padre su obra de fe, su trabajo de amor y la firmeza de su esperanza en nuestro Señor Jesucristo. The three, the three pillars of faith, their uh, hope, their love, and their faith. Paul, Paul cites this and he thanks God for this. Verse 4, sabemos hermanos amados de Dios de la elección de ustedes. And in verse 4, Paul here mentions, uh, he calls them beloved of God. Hermanos amados de Dios. Y la semana pasada, pensamos de esto mucho. De, de la verdad de somos amados de Dios. En, en el principio del mundo, Dios escojó a nosotros. Y Dios da a nosotros su amor. Y es un verdad muy profundo. We thought last week of the profound truth that God in eternity past, before we existed, before we were created, God chose to make us the objects of his love. And we thought about just how profound that was. And Paul calls them beloved of God. Paul, uh, Pablo se llama amados de Dios. Un título muy profundo, muy importante. And Paul also says that uh, not only this, but you are the chosen of God. Uh, son la, uh, los escogidos de Dios, la elección de ustedes. And we thought last week about the profound truth that God chose us and how precious it is to us to think of ourselves as chosen by God, that God of all humanity chose us to be his children. Un, una verdad muy, muy profundo que 
Dios nos escogió a ser sus hijos y sus hijas. And then we also talked about the fact that Paul says, not only is this true, but I know that you are the chosen of God. Pablo dice, sabemos. Yo sé. Yo sé que eres los escogidos de Dios. And we thought last week about how it is that Paul knows this and what a tremendous blessing it is not only to know that we are the chosen of God, but Paul is not talking about himself. He's talking about others. He says, I know that you are the chosen of God. Pablo dice, yo sé que eres. No, no yo, eres. Son los escogidos de Dios. And we thought about how it is that Paul knows this. How it is that Paul knows in his heart, without a doubt, that they are the chosen of God. Como, como sabe Pablo que ellos son los, los hijos de Dios. Y el resto del capítulo es acerca de esto. The rest of the chapter is about this, where Paul is going to give these reasons how he knows that they are the chosen people of God. Pablo va a dar los, los razones porque él sabe que la iglesia aquí es, son los hijos de Dios. Son las hijas de Dios. So the rest of the chapter, Paul is going to talk about the ways that he knows that they are the chosen people of God. And basically it all forms up into two basic reasons. Hay dos razones. Por el resto del, cap del capítulo, hay dos razones que Pablo sabe en su mente, en, en su corazón, que este gente son el gente de Dios, son el pueblo de Dios. Número uno, el poder, el poder del Espíritu Santo. Number one, Paul's going to talk about the spirit, or the power of the Holy Spirit. And number two, he's going to talk about the change that he sees in their life. Número dos, el cambio en las vidas de los creyentes. Uno, el poder del Espíritu Santo. Dos, el cambio, el cambio real en las vidas de los creyentes allá. Por lo tanto, el punto del resto, del resto del capítulo es esto. La iglesia hace visible el evangelio. La iglesia Hace visible el evangelio. So the point of the rest of the chapter is going to be this. The church makes the gospel visible. The church makes the gospel visible. The gospel is not visible. The gospel is news. The gospel is words. The world cannot see the gospel. So the church makes the gospel visible. And that's what Paul's going to talk about, how the Thessalonians are making the gospel visible to the world. So let's begin now in verse 5, versículo 5. Porque nuestro evangelio no vino a ustedes solamente en palabras, sino también en poder y en el Espíritu Santo y con plena convicción. In English, Because our gospel did not come to you only in words, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. Ahora Pablo habla acerca de, de su evangelio. Él, él dice, porque nuestro evangelio no vino a ustedes solamente en palabras. Pablo no dice, el, evang el evangelio no, no viene a ustedes sin palabras. Él no dice sin palabras. Él dice... A ustedes solamente en palabras. Paul doesn't say that our gospel didn't come to you without words. 
He says, our gospel didn't come to you only in words. And there's a very important difference there. Hay una diferencia muy importante allá. A veces, a veces, hay personas que hablan acerca de predicar el ingenio con nuestras vidas. Many times there's people that talk about preaching the gospel with our lives. Right? That we preach the gospel with the way we live. Predicamos el evangelio con, con nuestras vidas, con nuestras vidas buenas. And what they mean is that our actions and our lives are intended to show others the gospel. But sometimes we talk about that as though that our lives preach the gospel without words. Right? Hay una cita, una cita muy famosa de... Um, la Madre Teresa, Teresa, La Madre Teresa, ¿conoce? La Madre Teresa, una cita que está como esto. Prediquen el Evangelio a todos y cuando es necesario usan palabras. ¿Conocen? ¿Saben? There's a, there's a quote, a famous quote by Mother Teresa that, that goes like this. Preach the gospel to everyone you meet and when necessary use words. It's really, really a cute saying. It's very tweetable. But it's not true, is it? Es, es una cita muy famosa, pero no, no es verdad. Porque no podemos predicar el evangelio sin palabras. We can't preach the gospel without words. ¿Por qué? Porque el evangelio es palabras. We can't preach the gospel without words because the gospel is words. El evangelio es las, las noticias buenas. Right? The gospel is good news. Las noticias buenas que somos pecadores y Dios nos ama y Dios da el sacrificio su Hijo por el cruz y Jesucristo recibió en su cuerpo y en su alma la carga de nuestros pecados. Y a través de fe y a través de Jesucristo Podemos recibir la riqueza de Jesucristo. ¿Sí? Esto es el Evangelio. ¿Sí? That's the gospel. The gospel is the good news that we are sinners, but God bore the penalty for our sin. Jesus Christ goes to the cross and through His death, burial, and resurrection, He pays the penalty for our sin and through faith we can receive His righteousness. That's the gospel. And the gospel is news. And that news can't be told without words. Las noticias no, no, no pueden contar sin palabras. Ahora, cuando, cuando personas dicen, predican el evangelio sin palabras, con su vida, es importante porque significa que nuestras vidas deben afirmar el evangelio, ¿sí? The importance there, the truth there, is that our lives should affirm the gospel. The way that we live our lives and the choices that we make should affirm the truth of the gospel, but our lives are not the gospel. No one is saved by watching our life. People are saved by hearing our gospel that's backed up by our life. Paul says in Romans 10 verse 14, ¿Cómo pues invocarán a aquel en quien... Uh, no han creído y cómo creen en aquel que quien no han oído y cómo oran sin haber quien les predique. Paul says, how can they believe unless someone preaches to them? How can we be saved unless we hear the good news of salvation? So Paul is not saying that the Thessalonians heard and received the gospel 
without words. He's just saying that it wasn't only through words. It was through words and also through the actions and the way that he lived his life there. Porque nuestro evangelio no vino a ustedes solamente en palabras, sino también en poder y en el Espíritu Santo y con plena convicción. Pablo habla acerca del de poder del Espíritu Santo y cuando vemos en la Biblia el Evangelio, también vimos el Espíritu Santo. Wherever we see the gospel going forth, like through the, books of, through the book of Acts, through the epistles, wherever we see the gospel going forth, we always see the Holy Spirit as well. And we know the Bible teaches us, Jesus teaches us, and Paul teaches us, as well as others, that, that the simple words of the gospel themselves, without the power of God, can save no one. Jesus says, Jesus says that you're incapable of understanding and receiving the gospel without the power of the Spirit. Paul says the same thing. Pablo nos dice que, que sin el poder del Espíritu Santo no podemos recibir el Evangelio. Primero Corintios 2, Pablo dice, pero el hombre natural no acepta las cosas del Espíritu de Dios porque para él son necedad y no las puede entender porque son cosas que se disciernen espiritualmente. These are spiritually discerned things that the natural man can't understand. So the power of the Spirit, the Bible always talks about the power of the Spirit together with the Gospel. And the two of those things, the words, the good news that explain to us who we are and what God has done for us, combined together with the power of the Spirit, is what quickens our understanding and causes us to understand and, and causes us to then believe. See? La Biblia habla acerca de, de la, las palabras de noticias con el poder del Espíritu y ambos trabajando juntos para traer salvación a las, las corazones cerrados de los humanos. That's what the Bible talks about. In your notes here, let's take a look. There are many places where the Bible puts together these two ideas, the words of the gospel along with the power of the Spirit and how the two of those things always work together for salvation. Primero Corintios 2, versículo 4. Estos versículos son versículos acerca de esto, acerca de, de las palabras de Dios trabajando junto con el poder del Espíritu. Primero Corintios 2. Y mi mensaje... Y mi predicación no fueran con palabras persuasivas de sabiduría, sino con demostración del Espíritu y de poder. He says, my words weren't persuasive words of wisdom, but rather they were a demonstration of the Spirit and a demonstration of power. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 7. 2 Corintios 6. En la palabra de verdad y en el poder de Dios. In the Word of God and in the power of God. 2 Corintios uh, 12. Entre ustedes se operan las señales de un verdadero apóstolo con toda perseverancia por medio de señales, prodigos, prodigos y milagros. O Hebreos 2. Salvación después que fue anunciada primeramente por medio del Señor nos fue confirmada por los que la oyeron. Dios testificó junto con ellos tanto por señales como por pródigos y por diversos milagros y por dones repartidos del Espíritu Santo según su propia voluntad. O Romanos 15, 
porque no me atreveré a hablar a nada sino lo que Cristo ha hecho por medio de la, para la obediencia de los gentiles en palabra y en obra con el poder de señales y pródigos y el poder del Espíritu de Dios. Y finalmente, Romanos 1, 16, porque no me avergüenzo del Evangelio, pues es el poder de Dios para la salvación de todo el que cree. I am not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And many other verses that we could look at that pair together for us over and over again the words of the gospel together with the power of the Spirit. And the two of those things are the only things that raise back to life the dead hearts and the dead ears of sinners. Pablo dice, Nuestro Evangelio no vino a ustedes solamente en palabras. Pablo pueden venir a la ciudad allá y predicar el evangelio con palabras verdaderas, con muchas palabras, con palabras acerca de la Biblia, pero sin el poder del Espíritu. Estas son palabras vacías. Paul could have come to Thessalonica and preached all the true biblical words that he wanted to preach about the scriptures and about our sinful condition and our need for a Savior and what Jesus has done for us, Paul could have preached true words until the cows came home. But without the power of the Spirit working there, it would have saved no one. Nuestro Evangelio no vino a ustedes solamente en palabras, sino también en poder y en el Espíritu Santo y con plena convicción. So, Paul talks here about the power of the Spirit and the full conviction that, he, that is present there. La plena convicción. Pablo habla acerca del de poder del Espíritu, las palabras de Dios, y la convicción de los corazones, de almas. ¿Qué hablando Pablo aquí? Está Pablo hablando acerca de la convicción en los corazones de, de los telesonacenses? ¿O está Pablo hablando acerca de la convicción de personas otras? What is Paul talking about? What conviction is Paul talking about? Is Paul talking about the conviction when he says that the Spirit came in this power and in this full conviction? Is he talking about the conviction of the people who heard the gospel and received the gospel and changed and, and were converted? Or is he talking about the conviction of someone else? Paul could be talking about the conviction of the Thessalonians that he preached to. Es posible. Pablo, uh, posible, él es hablando acerca de la convicción en las corazones de Thessalonicenses. Pero creo que no. But I don't think that that's what he's talking about. El contexto es de esto. El contexto es el contexto de los señales que Pablo ve en los otros, los señales que dicen que ellos son los escogidos de Dios. The whole context is the context that Paul is talking about things that he sees that tells him that these truly are the chosen, converted children of God. And Paul cannot see the conviction in their hearts, right? We can't see anyone else's heart. Pablo no, no puede ver la convicción en las corazones de los otros, ¿sí? No pueden ver las corazones de otro, de otro, ¿sí? So it makes more sense to me that Paul's not talking about the conviction in their hearts, but instead he's talking about the conviction in his own heart 
and in the hearts of his two friends that were with him, Silas and Timothy. Creo que Pablo está hablando acerca de la convicción en, en su corazón y en su mente. Y en la corazón, los, las corazones de Silvanos y Timoteo. Porque esta sección está acerca de los señales que Pablo pueden ver en otros. ¿sí? Ahora, cuando un predicador está predicando el Evangelio, está predicando la palabra de Dios, y el poder del Espíritu Santo es presente y es activo. El predicador sabe esto. When a preacher is preaching the Word of God, and the Spirit is present and active in power, then the one preaching that knows it. There is something intangible about preaching the Word of God when the Spirit is there as compared to when the Spirit is not there. When the Spirit is active as compared to when the Spirit is not active. There's a difference. Hay una diferencia entre predicando la palabra de Dios con la presencia y el poder del Espíritu y predicando el mismo Evangelio sin el poder del, del Espíritu. Y el predicador sabe esto. Sen, sentía esto. Es algo difícil a describir. Hay un poder especial de las palabras. Hay un, um, un sentimiento que, que Dios es activo en las palabras y un poco común actividad de Dios en nuestras mentes. Un poco común habilidad a conectar la palabra de Dios, a aplicar la palabra de Dios. Es difícil a describir, pero hay una diferencia real. There is a difference that is, is hard to describe, but it is there, and it is true. That when the Spirit of God is working through the preaching of the Word of God, either to bring about conversion or to bring about sanctification for believers, the preacher knows that, and he knows that by a, an unusual sense of power in the words and an unusual uh, ability to connect Scripture together, an unusual ability to apply Scripture, an unusual bringing to mind things in, in Scripture that weren't brought to mind in the preparation time. Many times I have preached a message that I had prepared and then find myself saying things that I'd never thought about until that moment. And then later on, thought back and said, well, I should have thought of those things because they were the right application. And it's nothing less than the power of God working through the preaching of those words. And the preacher knows that. And that's the important point here. Paul is saying, I knew that. Pablo está diciendo, cuando estaba predicando a ustedes, yo sé que el Espíritu Santo está, está trabajando. Él está aquí en la presencia de mis palabras, en la presencia de, la, de las predicaciones de la palabra de Dios. Y Pablo está diciendo, es un señal para mí, para, para Silvanas y para Timoteo, que ustedes son verdaderos hijos de Dios. Porque el poder del Espíritu Santo estaba allá, trabajando. And that's what Paul is saying. I know, one of the ways that I know that you're the chosen people of God, that you're truly converted, 
is I sensed that when I was preaching to you, that I sensed that the Spirit was working in what I was preaching and you were receiving what I was preaching and He was changing you through that. No vino a ustedes solamente en palabras. Our gospel didn't come to you only in words, sino también en poder, but also in power. Y en el Espíritu Santo, and in the Holy Spirit. Y con plena convicción. Pablo sabe que ellos son los hijos de Dios, los escogidos de Dios, porque el poder de Dios, el poder del Espíritu Santo estaba presente. And so now Paul knows, he senses definitely in his heart that these are the children of God because of the power of God that he felt as he was preaching to them. Then he goes on to say, ¿Cómo saben qué clase de personas demonstramos ser entre ustedes por el amor que le tenemos? You know what kind of people we were demonstrated to you to be or we were shown to you to be because of the love that uh, we have for you. So we'll take that thought and we'll put that off until next week. La semana próxima vamos a hablar acerca de segundo cosa que Pablo habla la cambia en sus vidas. So we'll set that sentence aside and let's look now at verse 6. Versículo 6. Y ustedes llegaron a ser imitadores de nosotros y del Señor, habiendo recibido la palabra. So that's part of what we're going to look at next week. And you uh, received, or you became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word. And we'll pick up right here this time. This is what the last thing we'll look at today. In medio de mucha tribulación con el gozo del Espíritu Santo. And you receive, and in much tribulation and much suffering, you receive with joy, having received the word in the middle of much tribulation, much suffering, many trials, you received with joy of the Spirit. And that's what we'll finish talking about right now. Suffering is part of life, right? Sufrimiento es, es un parte de vida. Todos los humanos que viven tenían sufrimiento en sus vidas, ¿sí? Es un, es un facto, es un hecho de, de, de la vida. Y también sufrimiento es un parte de la vida cristiana, ¿sí? Suffering is a part of the Christian life. Suffering is a part of, of everyone's life. You don't have to be a follower of Christ. Suffering is a part of life. And especially for followers of Jesus, suffering is a part of life for us. We know this because Jesus told us so. That if you're going to follow me, Mark 8, verse 34, if you're going to follow me, then you need to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me, right? Or Acts chapter 14, verse 22, it's, uh, it's necessary through much tribulation that we enter the kingdom of God. It's necesario que a través de muchas tribulaciones entremos en el reino de Dios. So following Jesus... A necessary part of that is suffering, but this is the difference. Suffering will come to us whether we love Jesus or not. Suffering will come to us if we follow Jesus, but joy in suffering is only a work of the Spirit. And that's the point. Gozo en el medio de sufrimiento solamente viene a través del Espíritu. Y por Pablo es un señal que el Espíritu es en ustedes. Porque tienen gozo en sus tribulaciones, en sus sufrimientos. And for Paul, this is a certain sign that they have the Spirit of God in them. Because he knows, you know, whoever you are, you're going to suffer. 
And if you claim the name of Jesus Christ, you're going to suffer more. But it is only through the presence of the Spirit that you have joy in suffering. Anyone can claim Jesus Christ and as a result of that experience suffering. But it is only the presence of the Spirit that allows the sufferer to be joyful, to have joy in the middle of that. Todas las personas pueden decir, yo tengo Cristo, soy cristiano, ¿sí? Y a causa de esto, recibir sufrimiento. Pero solamente a través de la presencia del Espíritu podemos tener gozo en medio de los sufrimientos. The world cannot do that. El mundo no puede tener gozo verdadero in medio de sufrimiento. The world has no way of having true joy in the middle of suffering. And so for Paul, this can only be a sign that the Spirit is genuinely in you. True joy is, of course, a fruit of the Spirit, right? Galatians 5, verse 22 and, and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, loyalty, the fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit is true joy. And there's a difference between joy and happiness. Hay una diferencia entre felicidad, felicidad y gozo. Felicidad es un fruto de la situación. Gozo es un fruto de la relación. Felicidad es un fruto, es un resulto de, de la situación, una situación buena. Pero gozo es un fruto de la relación con Dios. Happiness is something that the world can have because happiness is a fruit, it's a product of, of a good situation. But joy is not the product of a situation, it's the product of a relationship. And so Paul says to them, I see the joy that you have in your suffering. You're suffering because of the gospel and I see that you have joy in that and that can only be proof of the presence of the Spirit in you. Pablo tiene las palabras muy anima para ellos. Palabras que dicen, yo sé, en mi corazón, yo sé, sin duda, que son los hijos y las hijas de Dios. Paul has these incredibly encouraging words for them that I see and I know without a doubt in my heart that you are truly converted children of your Father. Let's pray. Padre en cielo, gracias por estas palabras, Señor, esta noche. Gracias por los señales que nos enseñan que somos hijos y hijas de Dios. Gracias por tu palabra. Gracias por el poder del Espíritu Santo. Thank you, Father, for the power of the Spirit and the words of assurance that can come to us if we are truly your children, Father. It is your desire that we know that without a doubt and we know uh, with full assurance that we are the chosen, beloved people of God. Thank you for this encouragement. In Jesus' name we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Salvador. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcasted message from the Garden Fellowship. The purpose of the Garden Fellowship Church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. We hope you were blessed by this message. You can learn more about our church by visiting our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Garden Fellowship or by visiting our website at gardenfellowship.org.